0: Thank you, Kevin. Good morning, everybody. Good morning morning to those of you who are joining us online. Later, we're going to be sharing communion together. So if you're watching remotely, this is your opportunity to go get some bread ready and and some juice or whatever you like to use for your communion. (sighs) You know, just listening to those songs and the great I am. You know, it's absolutely incredible, isn't it? God is the great I am. He is existence. That's what he meant when he said that to Moses, I am. Outside of God, there is no existence. I mean, he is the eternal God. He's the beginning and the end, the creator of all things. And yet you and I can talk to the great I am. Isn't that incredible? You know, sometimes I think maybe we don't get our heads around what that means. I mean, uh, you you can't talk to the president. You can't talk to the governor of Texas. You don't have access to him. You'd probably have difficulty trying to talk to the mayor. But you can call on the creator. Anytime. We can call on the creator. Jeremiah 33.3 says, call to me. And I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things you do not know. What a great verse. I'll tell you wonderful things that you cannot comprehend. Call to me. And we don't have to go through a priest. We don't have to go through a holy man or, or some manufactured idol or anything else. We can go great, straight to the big guy. Wherever we are, I don't know, just, wow. Wow. And and the thing, we're, we're beginning a new series this morning. I'm calling it the relational Jesus. We can call him Father. He is our Abba. He is our Father. It's, sometimes, you know, even just saying it, you can't, it doesn't do it justice. I'm reading Luke right now in my personal study time. And, and my small group is in Luke right now as well. And I've got hung up on a verse. You ever get hung up on a verse? I just, I'm just i reading this verse. I can't let the verse go. I keep going back to it. it and it's such a simple one. It's Luke 11 through. Jesus is teaching the disciples to pray. And he begins the prayer. Father, may your name be kept holy. And I've just been hung up on that verse. And the dynamics of that verse. Father, my Father in heaven. But it's relational. May your name be kept holy holy. So you've got this incredible relationship that I don't know. I can't put it in words. It's just got me thinking. And that's why we're doing this series, The the Relational Jesus. Here's how relational God is, you know. When we, the very hmm, crown of his creation, the apple of his eye, We slapped him in the face. Not long after creation. I don't know what the time scale is. But we slapped our Creator in the face. We decided to distrust him. We dissed him. And instead of casting us aside, he did something absolutely mind bending. He came down to be with us in person as a man. It's incredible to me. I've just been just focusing on this this week. Why a man? So that we could relate to him. And and he didn't just show up as a man. He was born as a baby. I mean, just think about this. The creator of all things, the great I am, lying in a crib. Crying because he needs to be fed. It's absolutely incredible. That's how relational our God is. That's how relational Jesus is. He came as a baby so that he could experience every single thing that we experience. The Bible says that he was tempted in every way. So there's nothing that we face, no temptation that that has seized us that he isn't aware of, that he doesn't understand. I mean, it's a wonderful thing in, in some ways and kind of scary in others. But he is intensely relational, a relational God. And Jesus is intensely relational. You know, I was looking at Jesus' ministry this week, and we're going to go really high level this morning. I'm not going to get into this too deep. Nearly all of Jesus' time, you read through the Gospels, nearly all of the time that Jesus spent here, he spent with people. Every so often, he'd go off, get to a place where he would be alone, but he was never alone because when he was there, he was relating with his father. And sometimes he'd take a couple of people with him, but he was with people all the time, all kinds of people, good people, bad people, friendly people, unfriendly people, acceptable people, unacceptable people. Spent time with lepers, sinners, Romans, Jews, Greeks, women, was frowned upon. He spent time with religious people, non-religious people, spent time with hypocrites, swindlers, thieves, sat down and ate with his enemies. And he walked, and he walked, and he walked. Holy lands divided into three regions. In the north was Galilee, in the middle was Samaria, and down south was Judea. And Jesus covered all of it on foot. And I did a little bit of research, and conservative estimates of, of Jesus' ministry have him walking over 21,000 miles. That's a conservative estimate. Can we put that first slide up, please? So I did a little, it's hard to see, but I did a little thing. I thought, okay, if he started off in Dallas, of course. I started walking. Now remember, this is only like two and a half, three years So, why? I don't know. I know you wouldn't do this, God. But start in Dallas, walk down to Houston, (laughs) over to New Orleans, Atlanta, Washington, D.C., Philadelphia, New York, Detroit, Chicago, down to St. Louis, over to Denver, up to Seattle, Portland, San Francisco, L.A., San Diego, across to Phoenix, up to Albuquerque, down to San Antonio, Austin, back to Dallas, three times. That's a, that's a walk, isn't it? <laughs> that's a walk. And all through that whole walk, he's talking to people. He's relating to people. And Jesus did something that, that I think is just fantastic. All of his ministry, when you read through his ministry, it's all interruptions. He, learned, he mastered interruptions. Who likes interruptions? Nah. <laughs> Yeah, look at Hector. (laughs) Please forgive him, Lord. (laughs) He was intently relational, and we can learn a lot from Jesus about how to relate to people, how to relate to difficult people. Anybody got any difficult people in their lives? Don't look at the person right beside you. (laughs) We can learn to relate to those people a little bit better, right? Right? And when you ask, has anybody got any difficult people, and everybody looks at you, that's a clue. (laughs) You know, Jesus was being tested by the Pharisees one time, they asked him, what was the most important commandment? We all know this one, right? In Mark, did I put it in the bulletin this week? Oh, good. That's not the right verses. Oh, it is. Of all the commandments, which is the most important? Jesus replied, the most important commandment is this. Listen, O Israel. The Lord our God is the one and only Lord. He is the I am. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. The second is equally important. Equally important. Not lesser as important. This is very, very important. Love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. Sometimes we miss that little word equally, don't we? Have you ever thought about that, that, that God has commanded us to love one another in the way we love him? That takes it up a notch, doesn't it? That, that ta- I, I just realized that right now. It's like, oh man, I don't like that, Jesus. I'd like it to be second. <laughs> love God and, and you know. <laughs> love the Lord your God with all your being, your feelings, your thoughts, your emotions, your body. And the second is equal to it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus was very strategic when he tagged those two together. They're like a link, a chain link. Your relation, and I've preached this so many times, your relationship to others, your capacity to love others, is intrinsically locked up with your love for yourself. Ouch. And your love for yourself is intrinsically locked up with your love for the Lord. There's a trickle-down effect. Up, in, out. You get the vertical right. We all know this one. You get the vertical right. You'll get this right, and you'll get that right. It will overflow out of you. So this morning, I thought I would, the subtitle for this, like I say, high level for relation to Jesus is body language. And we're going to look at different aspects of Jesus's life as we go through this. And like I say, I'm not getting into it too deep, but I want to share with you why I think this is important. My wife, Sandra, teaches piano. And every week she has a question of the week for her students. Your kids know about the question of the week. And the kids love it. It's not necessarily a piano question, but she has an interesting question of the week for the kids. And sometimes that's the first thing they ask when they come in to, for the piano lesson. What's the question of the week this week, Miss Sandra? And we were out walking the other day, and this is already on my mind. And she told me about this week's question, and it just fit so perfectly with where I want to go today. So I'm going to ask you the question of the week, okay? Are you Ready? What do you like most about yourself? Think about that for a second. What do you like most about yourself? If you're online, what do you like most about yourself? And if you're confident enough, put it in the chat section there. For some, that'll come really easy. For most, not so much. You know, when Sandra Said that to me. What do you like most? Uh, first thing I thought of. Well, what do I like most about my? Well, the front. No, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody likes that. <laughs> what do you like most? I struggled with that. What do I like most about myself? And I came up with an answer. I'm honest. And that's not always a good thing. <laughs> but that's. Uh, I think that's what I like most about. But most of you, when I, say, when I ask that question, what do you like most about yourself, some of you will kind of shrink away. So if I came down now and asked you, what do you like most about yourself, let me see here. Is this, is this on? <coughs> Pay attention. <laughs> John, you knew I was coming for you, didn't you? <laughs> what do you like most about yourself, John.
1: That I do what God tells me to do.
0: That you understand. are obedient to God. That's good. I'm gonna let you go.
1: Oh yeah. <laughs> I can see your face. I had to. <laughs> that I can say no.
0: That you can say no. <laughs> you get a standing ovation for that one. What do you like most about yourself? I don't know. Come on. That I'm a Christian. That you're Christian, that Christ is in your life. That's good. It's a hard one for you, though. All right, we'll get two more. You (laughs) thought I was passing you by.
2: Um, That I can exhibit kindness to others.
0: That's a good one. What about you?
1: The sense of humor I have.
0: Sense of humor? It's not working. What do you like most about yourself? I'm honest. You're honest. I like that one too. I'll let the rest of you go. <laughs> it's a funny question, isn't it? It's an interesting question. When you think about this up-in-out relationship, love the Lord your God, love others as you love yourself, and you ask a simple question like that, what do you like most about yourself? Most people struggle with it. But our capacity to love others is intrinsic to our capacity to love ourselves. But most of us have difficulty with that. We kind of shy away from a a question like that. (laughs) It's okay to like yourself. It's okay to love yourself. Jesus commands it. Love others as you love yourself. This is intensely relational here. You cannot love others if you don't love yourself. And I'm not talking about narcissistic love, okay? I'm talking about a healthy, I'm a loved child of God kind of love. I feel good about me. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I'm Christian. It's Christ in me. Now, there's something interesting. As I was thinking about that question, what I like about me, except for one person that had the same thing, what you like about you may not relate to what I like about me. We all have our different things. That You know, I like this about me. This person likes that about themselves. We don't relate to one another in that way because it's a deeply personal thing. But here's something that I, that I kind of find interesting. So what did you say, John? Your obedience, Your obedience to God, that you're honest, that you're Christian, that you're kind, sense of humor. <laughs> All of those answers, you can relate back to Jesus. Right? Right? All of those answers, you can relate back to Jesus. Most of you, whatever it is that you like about yourself, you can relate back to Jesus. Not necessarily to one another, but back to Jesus, back to the vertical. And that's a good thing. I am who I am. Not because of who I am, but because of who he is in me, right? Does that make sense? Anything that is good in us is not because of us, it's because of who is in us. He is the good in us. And when you get a collective body of believers who are feeling good about who they are in Jesus, that's attractive, That's very attractive. There's an energy about that that people want to be part of. It's like, man, these people have got something going on. There's a Jesus thing going on in here. They feel good about themselves because of who Jesus is in them. This is intensely relational. It's very, very important. You know, just like hurt people hurt people, loved people love people. Works both ways. It's okay to feel good about yourself in Jesus. This is what I'm calling body language. We're the body, right? We're the body of Christ here on earth. This is body language, and it's super important. Now, here's why. Because Jesus still shows up today. He ascended into heaven 2,000 years ago, but he still shows up today. He still relates to people today. He's still interested in people today, and he does it through his body, us. We're the flesh and bones of Jesus today. He's still relating to people in the flesh, body language. Jesus still wants people to know that he loves them, that he forgives them, that he'll meet them where they're, where they're at. He does it through his church, through his body, body language. I saw some awesome body language last weekend. I want to thank Chris for covering for me last weekend. It blew me away because it blew away those who were the objects of Christ's love last week. If if you're a guest or you you don't know what I'm talking about, um, Randy is, is part of a ministry, Kairos, which is a ministry that goes into prisons for a whole weekend and then every other weekend forever afterwards to bring Jesus Christ to the people inside the prison. And Becky and John and Randy were all part of it. I'm going to get them to come up and share a little bit in a second. Many of you were part of it. This is so neat. So one of the things that we do, we had a table set up out there. There's no big organization that covers the cost of this Kairos. Every Kairos is paid for by the participants that are doing it. There's no bank account. So they raise money, you all donated to it, all the meals are paid for, um, the kids draw table mats for, for the guys in there, and, and it's just so neat, and I'll let them, I won't get into this too deep, but I'm sat at a table with, there's three of us outside people and six brothers in white, as we call them. And what was so neat, very first meal, we sit down, there's a placemat and there's a little slip of paper with a name and a city on it. And the guys are looking at it, and they're like, what's this? And they love the food. It's all home-cooked food. We have a team on the outside cooking, and they bring it in hot. And these guys generally, are, they're eating mystery meat. <laughs> but now they're getting home-cooked. So they, they look at this little bit of paper, and it is, it, this is, this, so this is actual what happened. I'm sitting there, and they said, who's Mo and Vicky? I said, oh, Mo and Vicki, yeah, they're in the colony. That's the church that, that I go to. Oh, okay. Every single person on our table, their meals were provided by people in this room. Every single one. And then I hear from across the room, I hear somebody stand up. Pastor Mike, this place placemats by Brooklyn. <laughs> My granddaughter. And the look on these guys' faces as... You know, they're getting this good food and they've got these placemats. And and you need to know this, when you get up from the meal, they're taking the placemats. They're taking the placemats with them. They're not allowed to take them back to their living cells. (laughs) They take them later. But they're like, wow, I, I want this. And the confusion on their faces. Why did these people buy my meal? Why did these kids make this placemat for me? They, they just don't know. You know what? I'm not going to steal the thunder. I'm not going to let Becky and John and, and Randy come up and just share a little bit about the weekend. Who wants to go first? I don't know. I mean... If you're standing down there, they can't see you, Becky. Okay.
2: <laughs> well, first of all, thank you so much for everybody who signed the prayer little slips, who donated, of course, uh, buying the meals, just donated in any way. It it really helped a lot. Um, I do want to mention one thing first. I'm going to put you under the bus, Mike, <laughs> Pastor Mike. On the way down there, he's like, you know, you can go faster than the speed limit, and you don't have to stop at that stop sign, because we are going to the prison ministry, and that's all we have to tell the cops, <laughs> and we are good to go.
0: <laughs> prison ministry, don't stop us. Don't
2: stop. <laughs> <laughs> so that that really started out the weekend great, <laughs> but but anyway, this
0: you didn't week- have to do it though.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I tried. <laughs> This is a, such a great ministry. I did a closing four years ago, and that was just the last part oh the last part of the weekend where you go in and you see you know kind of what happened at the end, right but um, I told uh, randy i want to I want to see the whole thing, so that 's why I joined this time. And it was incredible. So I made, uh, you know, 50 or so new friends, uh, my brothers and sisters in Christ. um, And we had just a really good bond the whole weekend for me because I was on the outside team, not the inside team. um, I did all the chopping. I almost chopped my finger off. (laughs) Um, But I did all the chopping. I did uh, a lot of, you know, the cooking of all the meals that uh, Pastor Mike was talking about. Um, so we had like a, you know, our, my female bond bonding that was going on and the whole weekend besides the cooking that we were constantly praying for all the inmates that were on a list that was given to us where well, each lady had three particular men that they were praying for individually and we had a chapel set up and around the clock the whole weekend there was somebody in there from let's say, you know, 6 a.m. to midnight that were praying for all these guys. But then you went in specific times and prayed for the three, you know, guys. So we heard these names, Jose Vargas, um, Gregorio, uh, what was his last name? Cruz. Um, you know, I, I mean, uh, and Tony Thompson. I mean, there was particular ones I had. Well, I'm just praying away, praying away, you know, having fun with the ladies, cooking. Um, And we were, believe me, these gentlemen, whoo, they, (laughs) we were up at, you know, 5 a.m. And, you know, probably didn't go to bed till midnight. So it was a really long weekend. But, and I'm sitting there thinking, okay, is this all that there is to it? I mean, not, you know, I was feeling God definitely in the presence in that church that we were uh, using. Um, But I'm like, okay, this is fun. But, you know, I envy these guys because they were inside with them. Well, at the very closing ceremony now, I get to do this in a different perspective. So not just going into the closing ceremony, I've experienced the whole weekend. When I go in there and I see these men in white, grown men, stand up and take a mic like I am now, crying and thanking us for everything we did uh, you know, there was a whole bunch of us in one section that they knew were the, were the women that were, you know, cooking the meals and everything. They looked right at us. They thanked us for the meal, thanked us for the placemats, you know. And when I saw the guys crying up there, I started crying because that was my kind of aha moment. And I turned to, the, to my, uh, you know, one of the ladies that helped me. I turned to her and I said, I got it. That is why. I did the whole weekend, right there of them crying and them thanking us was so worth everything that I did the whole weekend. It was incredible. It was, and I could feel God in that prison. It was awesome.
1: Thank you. <laughs> totally echo what what Becky said. I mean, it was it was amazing. Um, just to watch the transformation in these guys and three and a half days is, I mean, incredible doesn't even start to explain. Um, Mind bending was a good one, but it still doesn't explain it. Um, Just the presence of God. And for me, it was the little things Um, to see how the little things matter so much to these guys. It's just incredible. Um, I mean, I had a guy sitting next to me that He says, you know, at the end, he's like, man, I thought I had it figured all out. And then he went to forgiveness and just lost it. Um, So, I mean, just just to see the little things of all the agape love that we are able to give them um, and how they respond to that. Because, I mean, let's just get real. A lot of people that are in prison weren't loved. (laughs) That's why they're there. And for us to be able to go in and show them that not just us, that we love them, but that there's somebody so much more important than us that is... I love the the tool reference that was made. Like, If somebody made you something, would you turn around and thank the tools that made it, or would you thank the carpenter? I, we were just the tools, and it was, I don't know, it was just so awe-inspiring, um, God-inspiring. I, there's no... Again, there's just no words to really explain how life-changing it is to see somebody else's life change. And then while they're changing their life, they change yours. And it's just, it's just crazy.
3: Hey, where are you going? Don't leave. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we, we still have to do the singing bit. Yeah. So.
3: <laughs> oh, you're okay. So, This, I was thinking about it when I was sitting down there. This is the 12th weekend I've served on in Kairos, and um, um, I was a leader this time. Normally, I'm one of the, you know, servants inside the team. There's a lot of people on the team. There's at least, you know, 35 to 40-something people that go inside, and there's positions for each one of those. Um, So, this is the first time sitting as a leader, and you only get one time to do that. Thank goodness. Oh, my gosh. It was a lot of work. No, but... um, the great thing about it was this time is sitting back and watching all of it in motion. Instead of being in a role where I was serving in a role, I was watching all these people serve in a role and doing their, their job and just watching the, the tables and um, the, the just the, the miraculous thing that happens from the first day we start to the end day because those guys, when they come in, they're all closed off. They might put on a little bit of front, you know, that they believe in Jesus and, you know, they're glad to be here. But, you know, they're used to conning people, to <laughs> be honest. But they can't help it. The talks, the worship, the agape, the food, God speaks through all that to them. And they break down and they break down. And before you know it, towards the end... Every one of those are cheering each one of them on. They're hugging each other. These are guys that would not even, maybe even talk to each other sometimes <laughs> in the prison. And just the power of that at the end is just phenomenal. And we had, uh, we had 36 brothers go through this time. We didn't have enough inside team to to host 42. You have to have so many to host because we want someone to be a host for each person. So we had to reduce to just six tables instead of seven. But... Those 36 got a weekend that they'll never forget. Um, And um, we had none drop out at the end. So sometimes you'll get some that will come the first day and they'll drop out. We had none drop out. They stayed the whole time. Yesterday we had what's called the short course after the weekend to teach them how to do small group. Because that's the whole purpose of the Kairos is to those guys to bond together and continue to meet together every week and pray for each other, and share with each other, and study with each other, that's the goal, to live out what we've taught them. And we had 32 out of 36 show up yesterday. That's really wow. a great number. Yes. Really good. <clears throat> and the other real thrill I got to see, too, is um, every day when we come back from being in the prison, uh, since the outside team, they don't get to see all that's going on on the inside, Right. We take time at every meeting to share what happened the day, to get people to come up, share some of the things that happened their table, some excitements that they had, whatever, so they get a feel for it. But I tell you what, watching these two, you know the thing with Moses, when he came down off the mountain, their faces were kind of glowing. By the end of the weekend, (laughs) I could see the glow around these two faces. And John's walking about this far off the ground. So that was a blessing too. So it was a great weekend. God was there, and He did wonderful things. And we look for wonderful things to happen those guys going forward. Thank you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, yeah. Real quick. So the agape that they're talking about, um, agape is is a kind of love in the Bible. And it was tangible things that the guys could see. These are answers to what do you like about yourself? I like that, that I'm friends with Mike Bishop. (laughs) (laughs) That Mike Bishop is my pastor. I mean, this is awesome. Being a mother, another one that I'm friendly, that she's friendly. So this agape is is tangible evidences of God's love. So body language. You see those guys come in, and they're trying to con you. A lot of them are there because they know they're going to have good food. They don't have AC in the unit, but they have AC in the chapel. So you're going to have a weekend away from the unit in air conditioning with home-cooked food. Who's not going to want that, right? So some of them are honest. So you host someone. Every person that comes in, they come in, and we all cheer them in. It's like a football team coming in, and then you're, ne- you're hosted with someone. So you go up with them. You've got their name tag. You shake their hand. You take them back. You talk with them. And you can see the body language. You know, you ever talk to someone, and, and, and what they say is not what you're reading, you know? Yeah, I'm here because, you know, I just want to get closer to God. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, sure you do. My guy was at least honest. He's, you know, he he shared some things with me. Um, His daughter, two daughters, his daughter and son had got baptized. His wife's doing a great job on the outside. She's joined a church. Two of the kids got baptized. One kid's graduating. He's been turned down for parole. The kid's going to graduate next year. He wants to get parole next year. He said, my number one reason for being here is I can check that box. It looks good. Maybe I'll get parole. So let me tell you about the agape. So the first thing is cards that, that people send. Churches, different kairos groups send, and, and we're all sitting there and, and Royal Wright, one of the Guys is reading them out. And you can see these guys. So they've come in. I'm the man. You know, that's, that's how they are. And they're confused. They're like, why are you all here? I know why I'm here, but why are you all here? They, they, they don't get that. But there's this wall up. And you can read it in the body language. And then Royal starts reading out these cards from other Kairos groups that are praying for these guys. And they're like, wow, that's a group from South Africa is praying for them. All the outside team is praying for every single person in that room is being prayed for by name for the entire weekend. And you can see they're going... Nah, 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 nah. And then they bring the prayer chain in. Randy talked about the prayer chain, and many of you filled out the prayer chain. Remember that? Strips of paper, just got your name on it and where you come from, and then... One of the evenings, we take those and staple them and make a great big long prayer chain. We bought one in. You bought one in, didn't you? And it was so neat. So we're sitting at the table. And the guy that I'm sitting beside has told me some of his story. And this prayer chain starts coming in. And it's going around the room. And it goes between the tables and around and between the tables. And every so often, one of them will stop and they'll look and they're like, These are people's names. And then whoever's doing the presentation talks about every name on this link is someone who is praying for this Kairos. And there's hundreds and hundreds of links. And this guy's sitting beside me, and he got this look on his face. It was a scared look. His eyes were big. And this was second day in. And and I could tell he was struggling to speak, and he looked at me, and he said, I'm overwhelmed. I'm overwhelmed. And he couldn't say anything else. I'm I'm overwhelmed. So this all carries on, we carry on, and a little bit later, when we're sitting down to eat, he says, i got to tell you. He said, I've made a promise to myself when I got locked up this time. He said, I made a promise that I would not cry again until I was in the arms of my 16-year-old daughter. And when you guys brought that chain in, I was struggling. He said, "I, I, I wanted to get up and run out because the emotions were just too strong and I couldn't handle it. And you see these guys break down like this. You see their body language begin to change because of the language of Christ's body being poured out to them. And then one last little thing and then we're going to share communion. It'd be nice when we start at 10 30, won't it? <laughs> one last thing. So one of the things that we do is we write letters. Every single guy in there in on the caros gets a letter from every single member on the team. How many on the team? 60-something like 60 60 something people. So each one is getting 60-something letters. Now, we can't write that many letters the week, so we write a lot of those letters beforehand, and we leave it blank and fill in the name once we know who's going to be there, except for the six people that you're sitting with on your table and the one person that you're going to host because get, you get to talk to them, you get to know their story. So I shared with you about the fellow that was sitting beside me, and, and the fellow that I hosted, who whose kids had been baptized, and wanted to... So I was able to write that in his letter, that I was praying for him. Now, the, the team sits in the chapel, which is divided off, and all of the brothers in white go in the other area, and as they go in there to their table, they have this big envelope filled with 60 letters. And I was lucky to be sat at the back watching. It was just so powerful. This is body language. You see them come in and they sit down and it's letters. You can hear the the energy level changes. It's letters. Some of these guys have been in there for years and never had a letter and now they got 60-something. And they start opening the letters. And I'm watching this, these two guys on a table near me. And one guy starts weeping. He's not... <laughs> he's weeping. And another guy at the table gets up. He was white. The other guy was Hispanic. They mix him up on the tables to try and get... Because there's a lot of raci- racism goes on in there. And the Hispanic guy gets up, walks over to him, puts his arm around him, and hugs him. That doesn't happen in prison. And then he starts crying. And then I start crying. And I'm watching my guy, and I could see him pull out a letter. And he happened to pull out my letter. I could recognize my scrawl. And it was just so neat. Thank you, God. I mean, it's a little bit selfish. He started sobbing. Because he's reading a letter addressed to him about his stuff. And somebody's praying for him. We are the body of Christ. And the language we speak is the language of Christ. A wise man once said, preach the gospel at all times. Use words if necessary. Let me finish up with this little passage from Colossians. It says, Let the Colossians three sixteen and 17. Let the message about Christ in all its richness fill your lives. Let's think about that. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. And whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Everything we say, everything we do, everything we think, we are representatives of Jesus Christ. Every word that comes out of your mouth, we need to be thinking about what comes out of our mouth because every word is a representation of Jesus Christ. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And love others, equally love others as you love yourself. We've got to get good at this relational thing. We've got to learn to love people who are not very lovable. We've got to learn to relate to people that maybe are not like us, that we don't agree with fundamentally, politically. Maybe we don't understand their lifestyle, and maybe it's, it's wrong to us, but we have to learn to relate to those people because Jesus would relate to those people. That's what this series is going to be about. Mo? I think probably one of the most intensely relational things that Jesus did, right at the end of his ministry, when all the tension and the pressure of everything was going on, he sat down in a room with his closest friends and shared a meal. That's what we're going to.
4: Can those come up that are going to help with the Lord's Supper? You know, you look at the cross up there on the wall. What has Pastor Mike told us? You got to have this part right before you can have this part right. We got to be right with the Lord before we can help anyone else. We have to be right in our own skin. So think about that. This is the Lord's Supper. This is communion. This is a celebration. This is the hope that we have that Jesus is our Lord. But, you want to be in the presence of God? Then you you got to be right this way. Is something blocking that pathway to God right now? Is something making you You know, we talk about what is the best part of us. What is the worst part of us? Is that something you need to talk to the Lord before you take his communion? This is the time right now before we take it. You get this right so that we can do that right. Because Jesus loved us as far as the east is from the west. How much did he love us? Think about that before you partake of the Lord's Supper. When the hour had come, Jesus reclined at the table, and the apostles were with him. He said to them, I earnestly wanted to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say to you, I will not eat again until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. What we're going to do now is we're going to pass out these emblems which represent the Lord's broken body and the blood that he shed for us on that cross but you know what it doesn't matter how bad you are or how bad you've been First John 1 John 1:9 says if we confess our sins he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness and you know what You can be this way and this way with God today. So before we take it, I want you all to go ahead and come now, and I'll say a prayer before we take it, and we'll ask God for that thanks. Go ahead and come and get your symbols. Take it back to your seat and wait for us to take it together. Before we partake, let's pray. Lord Jesus, we give you all the praise and glory. We thank you for the opportunity to have the supper with you, Lord. We just pray now that we would be worthy in your sight, that it would build us up and not tear us down, that we would show our love for you by partaking of this. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. No, he said, Take my body which I've broken for you. Likewise, when he got through passing the bread and they had the bread, he said, Take this, this is my blood which I've shed for you today. You know, there's not many things. Sometimes that we'd want to share about what we've done and what we have possibly could do. But you know what? If Jesus just had to do that for one person, had to do it for you or you, even if it was just one, he would have done it willingly for you. Lord Jesus, we give you thanks for that. Thank you for having mercy upon us that you would want to come and take on the burden of our sins that you would shed your blood on the cross, that we might be covered, that we might be washed clean by that blood so that we could enter the presence of God. Thank you for sending the Holy Spirit who intercedes on our behalf and speaks in words that we can't express, and you understand what we need. We give you thanks and glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, we're, gonna, we're about to leave. Uh, Bob is over here, and Pam, (laughs) I've only known her for 20-something years, Pam is at the back. We take a benevolence offering that is just for that. It doesn't go to serve the church, you know, to pay bills for the church. It goes to help people that come to the church and say, hey, I have a need, can you help me? Whatever you can give is fine, but whatever you give will be used for that. So I'm going to pray us out. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord lift his face to shine upon you and give you peace. In Jesus' name, and all his church said, Amen. Amen. You are dismissed.